You know, it started out last week what about soil and seeds. And here's, here's what I don't want this great harvest to be about. I, it, to be a burden. It's not supposed to be a burden. It should be a joy. It shouldn't be sweating it out in an elevator trying to think of what you're going to say next about the guy's glasses or whatever. You're trying to make something spiritual out of something that really wasn't that spiritual. Because I think we've all had those moments. What does I say? Should I say something else? Should I say something and, and, we, and we get this anxiety and we go, uh, I, I don't know. See, this is not, that's not what the great harvest is going to come from. Because it should, there should be a joy. There should be a joy when we share Jesus. It should be easy to share Jesus. And if you're stressing about it, then you're not really prepared by the Holy Spirit to do what you're supposed to do. So this morning, I want to I want to share some scriptures with you, but uh, about how God this is God's idea. It was it's not our idea. This was God's plan. This is how He's going to save the world. It's always been God's plan. Everything that's, that has been done in life has always been because of God's plan. He sees way ahead of us, and He knows everything behind us. You see, in Second Peter three nine, it says. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering. That means patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Say all. See, when we come to repentance, that leads to eternal life. And God says, I want everybody here with me in heaven. You're all my creation. So he's, he's, he's put off his coming back. Well, not put it off because he has the exact time, but he's saying, I am going to, I'm going to wait and wait and wait until the final moment. So everybody that I've called can come in and he's calling everybody. Now he chose us to be the vessels, but he is the one. Remember last week I told you it's God who brings the harvest. He has called us to be sowers of seeds. We are the seed of God. We are supposed to live the life. It causes people to want to know Jesus Christ. You see, when we think we have to be soul winners, when we think it depends only on us, if we think that we're going to be the one that convinces somebody of their sin or their need for Jesus, or that, see, it, when we come to that place, we think we can do what the Holy Spirit can't do. And we try to usurp that authority and say, well, I can do this. I'm a good man. I've got a personality. I, I, I'm not afraid to speak in public. And once you come to the place where you think you can do it, then you're leaving God out of the equation. You see, we can't win them. That's God's job. That's His idea. John 16, 7, it says, Nevertheless, this is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. And when He has come, He, say He, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in Me. He is sending the Holy Spirit before so He can woo people in and call them in and draw them in so that their faith can be activated, their measure of faith can be activated. But the go-between is you and me. That's how He designed it. That's why He said to the disciples, Go, 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 go. Tell, preach, teach, baptize. He told them to go. And He's telling us the same thing today. Go, 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 go. Love, 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 love. Bless, 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 bless. Share, 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 share. That's what He's called us to do. He's always had a plan to save the world. He chose you and me to carry out His plan. That's a pretty big honor, I would say. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12. We're going to be reading from the Passion Translation today and then referring to some other scriptures. But John chapter 12, we're going to start with verse 20. John chapter 12, verse 20. I've got six 
nations today that I'm going to be speaking about. Six nations. You'll catch it in a minute. Verse 20. Now there was... There were a number of foreigners from among the nations who were worshipers at the feast. That's the Passover. They went to Philip, who came from the village of Bethsaida in Galilee, and they asked him, Would you take us to see Jesus? We want to see him. So Philip went to find Andrew, and they, then they both went to inform Jesus. The first nation is fascination. Fascination. The state of being intensely interested. Fascination. Let me set this up for you a little bit. If you go back and read one chapter earlier, you'll find out that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And after that, I mean, it upped the ante on his final statement when he went to the cross. Everything was converging at one time. Mary was anointing his feet with oil, preparing him for burial in chapter 12. But everybody was pressing in. Jesus is here, and guess who's with him? Lazarus. Man, I want to see Jesus. I heard he raised Lazarus from the dead. I want to see Lazarus. Man, they were fascinated. They were fascinated. They, they were intensely interested in seeing this man that was doing mighty things, that were doing miracles upon miracles, but raising a man from the tomb that had been in there and stinking after four days? Whew, would you be fascinated by that? Would you want to find out more about that? Would you be interested in knowing more about that? But I think it's interesting also when you see that it was Philip that these foreigners came to. They said, we want to see Jesus. Can you take us to see Jesus? You, never, you ever want to find a, get an inside route to somebody else, but you got to know somebody that knows somebody? And that's kind of what they found Philip. Now, here's the thing about Philip. When you go back to way back in John chapter 1, it was Philip. It was the same Philip who went to look for his friend Nathaniel. And when he found his friend, you know what he said? We found him. We found the anointed one. We found the Messiah. We've been looking for. It's Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth, the, the anointed one. He's the one that Moses and the prophets prophesied about that it would come. And Nathaniel replied, uh, Nazareth, whatever thing could good could come from Nazareth. But you know what Philip responded? He said, come and let's find out. He was intensely interested. He was fascinated by this man that was now healing the sick, raising the dead, walking on all these things that Jesus was doing. He was fascinated by him. He was fascinated by him. Are you fascinated by Jesus? Do people see your life and think, man... There's something about that person. They, they, they've they got this thing going on with Jesus and they can't t stop talking about Jesus. They keep talking about these miracles and these things that are happening in their life. How this, this, um, this thing came in that I wasn't expecting and, or this thing that I prayed for, it happened. See, people want to hear testimony. We were talking about testimonies earlier. You've got a testimony. You, you don't have to tell them your life story. Please don't tell them your life story. You know, some people focus more on the ugly side of their life than the good side of their life after Jesus comes in. And I know sometimes that's, that's important if you're giving a testimony to a group of people that have been like-minded and have been in the same junk that you've been into. That's, sometimes that's very important. I'm not discounting that. But, you know, we really need to tell people what our life is like now. And if you can't tell them something good about your, what your walk is like and like your life is like now, then, and then you need to check it out with God. Say, God, why, why am I not fascinated by you anymore? Why do, why do I not wake up in the morning and go, wow, God, you're so, so good to me. Y'all hearing me this morning? That's why I said, that's why I was saying, ask the Lord that you can see him again like you saw him the first time. Like the first time. 
You were fascinated by him. And you wanted to know more about him. See, some of you have quit digging. Some of you quit, you, you quit getting in the Word. Oh, I've been, I read the Bible through ten times. I know the Bible back and forth. But you, there's nothing alive in it, in it for you today. You're not getting the rhema word anymore. You're not getting the revelation word anymore. You think you've read that Psalm uh, uh, 103 a, a thousand times? Read it a thousand and one and ask the Holy Spirit to give you some revelation of it. Oh, John 3.16, I can quote that in my sleep. Can you really? If you can, then do you really believe that he did what he did for us, for the whole world? See, if he did it for you and he did it for the whole world, what's our involvement in that part of that word? Of that word? For God so loved the world. Fascinated with Jesus Christ. Verse 23, he replied to them, Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies, because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. The second nation is transformation. That's nation. That's not nation. See, these are all Asians. Not Asians, Asians. Transformation is a thorough, thorough, or dramatic change in form or appearance. That's what transformation is. It's a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. You put one seed in the ground, you get this beautiful plant. Right? It doesn't look like the little seed anymore. You plant a, a, a seed for a flower and it creates a bunch of flowers. Right? It's transformed. And, and that's what Jesus is telling them. Unless, unless the seed dies, then it doesn't come to life again. And it's got to be buried and it comes to life again. Amen? One man dies and many souls are saved. One man named Jesus Christ died. And when he was resurrected and raised from the dead and transformed, he remember he had a transformed body. Many, many souls were saved, are saved, are being saved. I checked this out on the internet so you know it's true. Bonjour. You're supposed to say bonjour. It's been a while since we did that one. But the Pew, uh, Pew Research in 2015, if you think we're all alone in this Christianity thing, said that there are currently 2.3 billion Christians on the earth. That's a lot. One seed. And that's just the ones that are living now. That's not since Jesus came back. I mean, when, when he was resurrected. That's just today. And this is 2015. I hope the number's going up. But it's been declining for many years. In America, on one, on one week in America, the average attendance in church for one, one service is 126 million. So in case you got the Elijah syndrome, oh, I'm the only one. We're just a little group of 400 people. What can we do? Think about what one seed did. One seed. And you're a seed. You're a seed. Say, I'm a seed. I mean, the importance of sowing seeds can't be overemphasized. I can't tell you about enough how important it is that we recognize that we are seeds and that we are planted, that we are sowing, and that God's reaping the great harvest. It was God's literal, the son, it was Jesus' literal death that produced the harvest and continues to produce the harvest. But he also asked us to die. 
Not physically. Maybe. Two weeks from, or a week from this Wednesday, we're going to have a man that's going to tell you about persecuted Christians all over the world and how we can help. Because they are dying. They are getting their heads cut off. They are put in prison where they can't say anything to anybody. They are, they are made to stand 24-7 almost. And I met a lady from, from China that had been in prison. She had started a house church, and they put her in prison. And you know what they said she could not do in prison? She could not open her mouth. She said she prayed in her head. She scripts her in her head. That's all she knew to do. And we have the opportunity and the freedom to share Jesus, and we won't do it. I don't understand that. Do you, church? I don't understand that. Guess what she did when she got out of prison? Started more home churches. She was responsible at that time when we were in church in CCSA. That's where she spoke. 700 home churches had started because of her one seat. 700! Because she could not help but speak of the amazing things God was doing. Verse 25. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me, that's Jesus, will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I'm going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. That is good news. See, that didn't, that didn't seem to me like it should be a burden to witness. The third shun is motivation. Okay? The third one is motivation. The motivation, the de definition for motivation is the reason one acts in a particular way. It's the way we, re we act, we react out of our motivation, what motivates us. Right? And isn't it funny that the majority of people, if you ask them uh, what the good life is, what's, what's a good life? What do you think? What is, what's a happy life? Well, uh, it's a wife and two and point two kids in a, in a mansion and a nice car and a great job and vacations and, and having all the, all the money I need in the bank. That's the good life. That's what most people in America aspire to. Correct? Isn't that what our, well, that's what we send our kids to college for, so they can live the good life? I don't want you to live poor like me. I want you to get a good college education. I want you to learn it good. So you can get out of, out of the shell of what we've been living. Now, see that? We, we have a misconceived idea of what the good life is, what, the, what happiness really is. I'm not discounting college, okay. I'm not discounting getting good, good, get a good job or putting down people that have a mansion and have nice cars and 2.2 kids. I wouldn't want to be the point two kid. Wee. But if your aspiration, if that's all it is, then you miss the mark. You can have that, but you better have Jesus first and you better be sowing seeds. What's your motivation this morning? You see, a lot of the, the, the reason a lot of ch the churches are dying, and, and I know there's a lot of reasons for that, and a lot of people don't want, they, they, you, know, you know what they don't want? They don't want religion. Because religion says, do this, don't do that. It's about legalism. It's about following rules. Listen, there's no joy in that. That's why many Christians show the world. That's what they show the world today. Oh, you can't come in here looking like that. 
There's the door. You can come back when you can dress nicer. Because we wear suits here. Somebody talked about my shirt tail being out today, so just more comfortable. Don't run people off from church, please, with your religious talk. Matter of fact, you, there's probably a better church for you that they love that religious stuff. If you're just real religious, but I, I hope you're not. I think you're here because you're not religious. You want to be real. You know, the motivation for, for doing what we do should make us walk this walk with joy. You know how that comes? You know how that really comes from? It just comes from simple obedience. If you really hear God, if you know God, if you trusted God and given your life to Jesus Christ, and you just walk in simple obedience, I want to promise you this. If you walk in simple obedience, you will live the good life. You may not have a dime in the bank. You're going to live the good life. You may have to ride a bicycle to church, but you'll have the good life. Because you'll have the peace that passes understanding. You'll, have, you'll, you'll, you'll know that when you die, if you get hit on that bicycle by a bus, you're going to go to heaven. That's just it. You're going to live the good life. Some of the most contented people in the world are the poorest people in the world. Because they didn't put their, their, their hope isn't tomorrow that they're going to win the lottery. And that would ruin them. I'm going to give you a scripture about motivation and about dying to self. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For it is Christ's love, say Christ's love, that fuels our passion and motivates us. You get that? It's Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that He has given His life for all of us. This means all died with Him. Say, I died with Christ. And then it goes on to say, so that all, so all those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives. Dying to self. But lives that are poured out for Him. The one who died for us and now lives again. Man, that's a good word. Y'all, somebody else shout hallelujah. Can I give you a simple observation? You think it's better to obey the one who offers you heaven and eternity? An eternity of joy? Or is it better to obey the one who offers you eternal damnation? Jesus. Was that complicated? Jesus. Eternity. Heaven. The joy of living with him today. Knowing the peace that passes understanding. Or the devil burning in hell for eternity with with temporary happiness on earth possibly but usually it ends up with something really bad what you thought was going to be a high ended up to be an addiction that took you down a horrible path what you thought was a social drink ended up in addiction that took you down a horrible path what you thought was a glance took you into adultery, which led you down a horrible path. You understanding? He offers you something. Satan does throw it out there. He puts the carrot out there for the horse. 
But at the end, you die. Even if you had temporary fun in your sin. I think we've all experienced that, possibly. But the end result is never good with Satan. The end result with Jesus is pretty incredibly awesome. I choose Jesus. I hope you do too. See, there's, there's supposed to be some joy in this because it's God's idea to do this. It's God's plan to do this. This is how we win uh, the souls. This is how we call them into the kingdom of God. This is how we live. It's God's idea because you know why? God's heart is for us. Je- Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is true. I know the plans I have for you. He has the thoughts that are good toward us and other thoughts toward each and every one of us. And his plans to, to give us a hope and a future, not to harm us. That's his plan for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? See, we have him on our side. Take advantage of that. One more passage concerning motivation. That's in Hebrews 12, 1, 2, 3. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. People are watching. Angels are watching. So we must let go of every wound. Come on. Let's let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. See, you're going to miss that path if you're not listening and you're not walking in simple obedience. Woo! We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Now, I love this. I love this verse. It says this. His his example is this. Because his, that's Jesus' heart, was focused on the joy of knowing that you, 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 you would be his. See, there's a joy in the journey. And sometimes all we see is the journey and the, the, the hard times of the journey. But there's a joy in the journey. He endured, because of this, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And he now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. We are his joy, Brandy. We are his joy, Ruth. We are his joy. He knew what was going to happen on the cross, didn't he? Anybody doubt that he didn't know what he was, ha- was b- about to happen? He knew what was going to happen. That's why he said, Father, if, this, if, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But Father, not my will, but thine be done, yours be done. See, that should be our prayer. That's how we walk through this walk with joy. It's when we see the end result is, I, I spend eternity with Jesus. I enjoy the pleasures of life with Jesus now. That's where he's calling us to, church. Jesus was motivated by us. Think about that. Sometimes you think, well, I'm nothing. I'm not worthy. I'm not anybody. I'm just little old me. Well, don't discount that because Jesus died for little old you. He was motivated by you to go to the cross. Think about that. I've heard it said, if we were the only one that ever lived, Jesus would have died for us. I believe that. But God designed it differently. He said, no, there's going to be billions of you. He is our reason for living, church. Verse 27. Even though I am torn within and my soul is in turmoil, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour of trial. 
for I have come to fulfill my purpose, to offer myself to God. So, Father, bring glory to your name. And then suddenly, a booming voice was heard from the sky. I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it through you again. The audible voice of God startled the crowd standing nearby, and some thought it was only thunder. Yet others said, an angel just spoke to him. The fourth thing I want you to see is glorification. Glorification means to honor, to praise, to admire, and to worship. You see back in that 27th verse, he says, For I have come to fulfill my purpose. He came to fulfill God's purpose for him. He's created us to fulfill his purpose. Say, I have a purpose. We all have a purpose. God has given us a purpose, and that's to please the Father. Anybody wants to know what the will of, the will of God is? Well, I just don't know what God's will is. I don't know if I'm supposed to go to this place, or that place, do this or do that. Listen, the first thing that God said, I want you to please me. Just start pleasing him. All these other things will fall into order. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right. All these other things will be added to you. He says, just seek him, please him, obey him, walk with him, listen to him, respond to him. And then you'll be walking in his will. You won't even have to try to figure it out. It'll just be there. We said so many of the things that took place in the birthing of this body of believers called Freedom Fellowship was just organic. Y'all remember that? We had no grandiose plan. Oh, we're going to build a church. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We had no grandiose plan. But you know what we did? We came together in our little house on 42 Southridge and we prayed. And we sought the face of God. And we worshipped Him. And we prayed some more. And we asked Him. And we, we, we went after Him with everything that we had. And God just kept opening this whole door, kicking this door down, doing this, doing that. And one day we're waking up. Well, how did we get here? How did we get the city auditorium? Oh, because we were listening to the voice of God. And we were in His perfect will. So listen, don't stress over His will for your life. Just start seeking Him. Start obeying Him. Start listening to Him and say, God, when you wake up in the morning, God, I want to fulfill my purpose that You have for me. For You, God. For Your glorification. Because I love You. I admire You. I want to worship You. That's my life. And you'll find that you're right dead sinner in His will when you're doing those things. But I'm telling you, the minute you step aside and go, oh, I think I want to please me now. I've done, I've done the God thing for a week. I think this week is mine, God. You know, some people do that. I've given you my time. Now give me my time. Well, you've already died to him. So that's not your time anymore. Correct? Oh, except for vacation. That's my time. And that's when I can cut loose. I don't read that in the Word. Oh, he won't mind if I just do this now. Yeah, he will. He will. You know why? Not because he hates you, because he loves you. He wants to protect you. How many of you know somebody that fell off the wagon? You know what I mean by that. Oh, oh my gosh. How many hands went up? Everybody's. Was that their plan? Ah, okay. Just checking. It's never the plan. And I'm telling you, God loves you when you fall off of it, and He'll pick you back up many times as He has to. But the devil's plan is to get you off the wagon. And whatever that is, it's not just drinking or drugs, it's anything. Anything that's not of God. Just fill in the blank there. Because we all fall off a wagon of some sort. They just fell off the wagon. <laughs> 
Woo! A literal wagon, a red flyer. No, radio flyer. I fell on a radio flyer before. The kids are going, what? What's a radio flyer? It's before your time. Okay. Some believe that the great harvest will take place in the midst of persecution. And I'm of that camp. I hope that's not true, but I believe that when great persecution comes, great desperation will come. And a refocusing of who we are in Christ. But I think when that comes, you're going to see the church rise up. The real church is going to rise up. They're going to glorify God. Even when times are tough, they're going to glorify God. They're going to worship God. You're not going to be able to stop them from worshiping Him. Number five, edification. John twelve thirty. Then Jesus told them, The voice you heard was not for my benefit, but for yours. See, He's always doing things for us. To help you believe. From this moment on, everything in this world is about to change, for the ruler of this dark world will be overthrown. <laughs> Yay. And I will do this when I am lifted up off the ground and when I draw the hearts of people to gather them to me. He said this to indicate that He would die by being lifted up on the cross. Even in that, edification, the act of building up, enlightening, or informing. That's what edification is. Did you know that knowing Jesus has amazing benefits? See, He's always looking out for us. He said, God, I, I know they heard the voice, but He said, God, that was for y'all. That was for y'all. He's always doing things with us in His thoughts. We are always on His mind. He's always talking. He's always speaking. But there's benefits in knowing the Savior. In Psalm 103, Mary Lou and I have memorized this, and, and we've, we say it very often in our, in our home. We, we quote it together, but I want to read it just so I get it exactly right. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Is it on the screen? Well, let's just stand up and see it, say this together. Y'all, don't, don't repeat after me. Say it with me. Ready? Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Next. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all his what? Benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yeah. That's a benefit. You may be seated. So what does edification have to do with the great harvest? Well, for one thing, I believe it has to do with how the church treats the church. Instead of shooting our wounded and constantly being divided, the world needs to see unity in the body of Christ. The world needs to see us loving one another, not putting each other down. The world needs to see us not putting other churches down, but lifting them up in prayer. The world needs to see the true church rise up, the cream come to the top. And that we are a kingdom church. We are a kingdom people. That we're not just church people. We're not just freedom fellowship people. That we are people that love people. That we love God and we love people. That's one of our mottos. 
That when you come to the food pantry, you're not going to go, oh, I can't believe they're back again. I can't believe they're so and so. I can't know that, hey, come on in. We want to feed you. We want to preach to you. We want to, we want to pray over you. We want to minister to you. That's the heart of the church at Freedom Fellowship, but that should, should be the heart of every church, but it isn't. But we've got to begin to sow that seed into other people that, uh, that attend other churches. Not trying to point out what they don't believe and what they do believe and try to figure out what's wrong with them and what's right with us. It shouldn't be that way, church. We should be lifting and edifying, building up one another in the kingdom. When that happens again, I think the world's going to see a different church and they're going to be attracted to the church. That's why I believe this, this clarion call on May the 4th is so important. The clarion call. Listen, it's not going to be an option for you to not to be there. Well, it will be, I guess, because we're in a free country. But if not everybody in our church shows up, they better have a good le- a letter from the doctor or your teacher. Something. I'll be standing at the gate. There's a pastor in our city. It's a Baptist pastor. Man, he loves Jesus. He had a vision to see that stadium filled with 14,000 people on May 4th of 2019. We've got speakers coming in. We've got singers coming in. But it's not about, it's not like some soul winning thing. It's about the church. This is how important this is. It's about the church coming together as one. One night. Coming together and saying, I want to sit with somebody else from a different church. Worshiping God together. Oh, what a great sacrifice. That's a Saturday night, Pastor. Three hours on a Saturday night. I don't know. I'm checking the door. We'll give you a specific gate to come in. What'd you say? Taking names. I don't know where that came, that saying became popular. That Christians are the only army that shoots their wounded. That's a sad indictment. Shoot them with our words. Verse 34. People from the crowd spoke of him and said, Die? <laughs> How could the anointed one die? The word of God says that the anointed one will live forever with us or live with us forever. But you just said the Son of Man must be lifted up from the earth. And who is this Son of Man anyway? (laughs) Right in front of them. Jesus replied, You will have the light shining with you for only a little while longer. While you still have me, walk in the light. He's talking about the physically have him there. Walk in the light so that the darkness doesn't overtake you. For when you walk in the dark, you have no idea where you're going. So believe and cling to the light while I am with you, so that you will become children of light. After saying this, Jesus then entered into the crowd and hid himself from them. The the last shun is illumination. Illumination is the act or process of making something clearer or brighter. The act or the process of making something clearer or brighter. Jesus simply stated that his children that have a light are responsible to walk in the light. Is that complicated? We have the light. Say, I have the light. You know, Jesus said it in one place. He said he was the light of the world. But later on, you know what he said? He, he changed that. He said, no, you are the light of the world. Because he knew where he was, he was going. See, we're the light. 
Jesus is where? He's at the right hand of the Father. And I think one of his prayers is, Father, keep them in the light. Help them to stay in the light. Help them to walk in the light. Help them not to go back to the darkness. Help them, not, Father, not to, to stray off the path. Help them to keep going where you've called them to go. Father, continue to guide them. Father, I'm, 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 I'm interceding for my, the saints. I'm interceding for Mark and Kristen that they'll continue to make decisions that honor me. I'm, I'm still praying for Mike that he'll still make decisions that glorify me. I'm praying for Aaron that she'll still make decisions that honor me and lift up the name of Jesus. That's what he's doing. He's praying for us that we will continue to be the light in this world because this world is getting darker and darker every day it is you tell me 20 years ago that we would have laws in place now that are in place horrible because the church quit loving and being the voice of light and the voice of truth today's the sanctity of life Sunday I, I didn't know it until last night and I apologize for that, but we, we, we are for sanctity of life every day. But the church in 1973 was silent. In 60-something, it was silent when there was one woman, one seed, one bad seed, said, let's get prayer out of schools. One seed! You think you think one seed can't do something? Seed goes into the ground. It, it dies and it's buried in, but somebody comes along and waters the seed. Somebody comes along and fertilizes the seed. Somebody comes along and digs the weeds out from around that seed. But when that plant starts to shoot up, you don't think one seed can make a difference? It can make a world of difference. That's, that's what I want you to know this morning. You know, when it talks about illumination, let me read this passage from Luke eleven thirty six. 36. It says this, If your spirit burns with light, fully illuminated, with no trace of darkness, you will be a shining lamp, reflecting rays of truth by the way you live. Can I read that again? If your spirit, this is the little s, this is your spirit within you where the Holy Spirit comes in. If your spirit burns with light, fully illuminated, it's only fully illuminated when there's no trace of darkness, you will be a shining lamp, reflecting rays of truth by the way you live. You know, when I was, when I was reading that, I was, y'all know how much I like lights at Christmas and all. I was picturing you go by, you go down these streets, and there's some people that have those really cool illuminaries. You know what I'm talking about? And they usually line the sidewalk up to the front door. And I'm thinking, that's what we should be. We should be luminaries. And we're pointing to the door, and Jesus is the door. And He says, come on, bring them in. Shine, shine the light, bring them to me. And if we, listen, if we just us, become those luminaries and are illuminated by the light of Christ and the darkness has been dispelled. People are going to come to Jesus and you're not going to have to sweat it. You're not going to have to work at it. It's not going to be a burden to you. And people are going to say, I want, the, I want what you got. I want what you have. I want that man that you keep talking about. I, I want Jesus. That's how it works. But if you're walking around in the cloud of darkness, guys, nobody's going to want to be in your cloud. You don't bring glory to God in your cloud. Woe is me. Oh, where have you left me? I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't. Uh, I turn them right to the Lord. Why have you forsaken me? If that's what your testimony is, guys, you need to check with Jesus and get right with Him. I mean, there's not one of us in here that can claim that you never grumbled or complained. Not one of us. But man, that should be the minimum. The praise and the worship be the maximum. 
the testimony of His goodness, the maximum. Because when we start doing that, we're walking in the light. And people are attracted to the light. They're really attracted to the light, the true light. One seed. What can one seed do? Bringing people to Jesus should be, I'm telling you, it should be one of our greatest joys. You know that? If you've never, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because that could embarrass people. But if you've ever led somebody to Jesus one-on-one, if you have ever done it, there's such a joy that will come over you. Because you know what you're going to be thinking when you do that? They just got rescued from hell. They just got rescued from death. They've, got, they've gone from death to life. They've gone from the light, from the darkness to the light. In that moment, that instant. And you got to be a part of that. And the angels in heaven are going, Yeah, way to go, Blenda. That's awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Do it some more. Because we like to party in heaven. And every time one sinner repents, we have a party in heaven. See, I think the angels are like this a lot of times. Whew. That's just kind of boring up here. When it's, when it's, oh, there's one. Yay! Streamers fall, you know, like it's the Super Bowl. Start falling the confetti in heaven. And they're like, yeah! And then they go, oh. It's been two, three seconds here. Hey, here's another one! Come on! Yay! This is my mind, you know, how it works. Or maybe you don't. Probably a good idea. So how many parties have you ignited in heaven? Don't answer that. Just think about it. Just think about it. You got a platform? Everybody here has a platform. You're going to be hearing that a lot. What's your platform? You're aware of your platform. You're aware of the influence that you have where you're at. Because you do. Starts in your home. Then it goes on to your job, your school, to whatever. Friends. Enemies. You got a platform. Share Jesus. Be obedient to Him. You know, He actually says if you just open your mouth, the Holy Spirit will speak. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to conjure it up. Sweat bullets like that guy was sweating. Think of really weird things to say. Because don't run them off, okay? Just don't run them off. And sometimes all it is is planting a seed. That's all. But I'm telling you this. If you share Christ in whatever form you do it in, you're always successful. 100%. Because the, the so winning part, the harvest is up to God. And that person to make that decision. It's not your decision to make. Remember, this was God's idea. Not mine. It's His plan. It was His plan for saving the whole world. And he wants you to get in on that plan and experience that joy of seeing souls come to the kingdom of God. Would you stand? Would that ministry team come? It's going to be an open invitation today, no designated invitation. If you need healing, you need to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God's calling you to join this church. Uh, 
you're just in, walking in apathy, you're discouraged, whatever it is, we just want to invite you to come this morning. Father, have your way. Have your way. As you've spoken to people today, they've heard the word. And Lord, I just bless them to respond to the word with obedience. So Father, whatever the need is, you meet, you meet their needs because you're for us. You're not against us. And you want to bless us. You don't curse us. So Lord, whatever that need is for that person or persons today, and especially if it's for salvation, Lord, I just call them out. I call them out, Father. You've blessed them to be here today to hear the word of God. I bless them to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In his name I pray. Amen. I'll step out and come. If you need prayer for anything this morning, we want to pray for you. Step out and come. Step out and come. The longer you hesitate, it seems like the harder it is for you to step out and come. So don't hesitate. If you're just in your heart say, I need prayer this morning for something, just step out and come. These people, they're for you. We're for you. We want to pray for you. We want to bless you today.